I think everything's built on easy messages, but nothing's easy in building a great company. You can't rely on someone else to tell the answers. A good helper is, is someone who's going to help you ask the right questions of yourself rather than telling you what to do. Well, hello there. This is Milena, and welcome to another episode of Scientific Mavericks Podcast. This episode is a part of Business Focus series where we bring to you business leaders and experts in the retail space. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Hyvory. Hyvory is the pioneer of hyperlocal retailing, combining artificial intelligence, operations research, and human-centered design models to help CPGs and retailers generate an increased return on physical retail space investment. And today, it is my great pleasure to introduce David Kenny, corporate services and tax partner in a national accounting firm, Ho Chadwick. David has been mentoring people for almost 20 years and helping businesses at every stage of their growth and development. He supports the ecosystem and his clients in multiple capacities, including as an advisor, mentor, or angel investor. 20,000 conversations and counting, David is now working on his first book where he shares his wealth of experience. And there is no better way to kick this episode off than David himself talking about what we can expect from his book and what inspired him to write it in the first place. It's a narrative around the journey that a founder goes on to become a CEO. The overwhelming reason why I wrote the book was one of the uh, world-class founders I met through this period. He uh, challenged me to uh, write a book and said, you could write a book quite quickly. So I said, look, I didn't have much to say. He said, no, no, you got to do it. So he set a challenge and asked me to write it within two weeks. And I said, how am I going to do that? And he said, pretty simple, just dictate it. So I thought, oh, I'll try that. And I had 60 pages within two weeks. I read it and I thought, gee, I can do a lot better. I started really going through the process and you know, locking myself away constantly for the next six months and every spare moment. I'm still you know, working probably 50 or 60 hours a week at Hall Chadwick and deciding every spare moment I'd uh, focus on you know, improving the book. And I guess the it's sort of come to me that it's really the culmination of 20 years of conversations on the things that matter the most to build a great business. I would love to get a hold of it when it's published. Can you tell me what your favorite chapter in this book and why? I'd have to say, maybe surprisingly, uh, storytelling and being able to connect with your customers and being able to control the narrative around your product, your story to your team, your customers. And I always remember this uh, joke that Eddie Murphy told. He said, look, you guys are going to come and watch a movie, my show rather, and you're going to go home and say, he said this really funny joke and you're going to stuff it up. So he, got, he told the joke simply and said, here you go, you can share this. So it reminded me of um, Eddie Murphy in that show where you do need a narrative or a story or a simple explanation or an elevator pitch for everybody to uh, be able to share what you do to build that momentum and following and be able to help with introductions and all of that sort of thing that makes all the different pieces that go together to build momentum. So the story and gathering that information from the eyes of the customers is absolutely vital to be able to build a brand and resonate with people and you know get to the truth. 
I guess that's probably why it's my favorite chapter. You know, there's a common debate whether entrepreneurs are born or raised. Do you think the same applies to business advisors or mentors? Are they born or are they raised? It's an interesting question. I guess the way I'd answer that is from when I started out 20 years ago and I said to the then partner I worked for, I want to be a consultant. He said, don't bother, you won't ever be a consultant. You're a good accountant, stick to that. The only thing that went through my mind is uh, the statement, let's see. From that point in time, I just decided that is what I was going to do. It wasn't just a positive mindset thing. It was looking at who were the best in, in the business and who can really help and what does really good mentoring look like. And it's beyond numbers. It's everything but accounting, helping and guiding people. Sure, it helps to have the background and being able to read a balance sheet and the cash flow. And But today's businesses are really not steered by profit and losses and balance sheets. So they're helped by understanding and, and teaching people how to look at ratios and what the right levers are in a business, how to determine the right speed at which a business should be spending money. There's not a perfect answer to anything and therefore because a lot of times people will say, oh, look, I read this book and it says I should do this. And I'm a big believer in the fact that there are no answers. There are just better questions because anything that anyone else has already written has come from their perspective. You don't know that your situation's the same. You may not be in the same market. You may not be in the same industry. So nothing that's written can be possibly exactly right for you. So it's all about you learning. And that's the, the thing I've discovered the joy of. It's really... Yeah, how much can I learn about how does businesses work in cash flow and strategy and marketing and Facebook and Amazon and dropshipping and everything that is possibly learnable from hiring and nurturing and retaining and uh, developing people and potential. All of those things, are they're not a hobby, they're a craft because I think uh, a hobby is something you do in your spare time and, and a craft is something you do because you love and that's my craft, helping people discover and develop their skills and build them to be more than they think they can be themselves sometimes. I agree. There's a lot of information out there. And when it comes to starting a business, I was once told that nothing is unique anymore. I believe um, Kirby Ferguson in his TED Talk pioneered the idea that everything is a remix. So switching our gears, what are two things that good mentors do and what makes a good mentor? Well, I think it depends on your definition of mentor. And to me, a mentor is someone who is really asking you good questions, will hold you accountable, but it's someone who's probably been there and done that or can keep you on track with not having all of the answers but having the right processes and systems in place to to keep you moving forward. So I think the, the number one thing that I'd, say a good mentor does is that they they listen and they absorb the information of what you're blocked on or what you're trying to do and what your potential is uh, and I guess the second thing might be how they stay on track and how they constantly engage so it's, it's a degree of you could call cheerleading but it is also holding them accountable it's also Sometimes do some of the lifting for them. It's it's sharing 
without telling. You're not telling anyone to do something as a mentor. You're not saying you have to do the following things. Uh, using examples rather than uh, saying, here's what so-and-so did. It might be asking them better questions. So asking them, so why do you want to do that? And sometimes it's just helping them solidify what it is that they might already know, but also what they've potentially missed. So point two is asking better questions, asking the right questions and getting the quality of their thinking to be even stronger, not only hitting the superficial, but also the deep and second order thinking that sometimes is required to get through a problem and a resolution. So, you know, looking at cause and effect and first and second order thinking and just really giving it, I call it a sanity check to say, how are you thinking about that? Is it all you can see is all there is or what what are the, what are we missed here? So it's just constantly holding them accountable, helping them think better by you're just asking them better questions. From what I'm hearing, there is a parallel between a mentor and a sports coach. What makes a good coach also makes a good mentor and a business advisor, like doing the lifting, helping your mentees to see their strengths and solidify them, as well as challenge them and understand how they work and perform best. So some people might work best when you handhold them and someone you shout at them and everyone is different and you need to be perceptive of people's differences and what are key determinants for deciding to partner with and advise a business what do you think allows to create and nurture a fruitful partnership so i never look at anything that i do as a working for uh, relationship I, I try to work with to collaborate to share to be honest to set joint objectives so if people respond that way and want to listen and want to share and want and want guidance but also what potential do I see in this person can I help them right so let's use Hyvery as an example what characteristics showed you that Hyvery founders had potential? Well, the first thing that struck me about Jason and Frankie were they asked really good questions and they were genuinely interested in getting better and genuinely interested in building a really big company, but they weren't what are called pathologically optimistic. They didn't think it was going to be easy. They didn't think uh, it was going to take five minutes. Uh, they were wanting to absorb information and learn and, and move fast, but also knew that sometimes you've got to take your time to get things right. They were very respectful for all of the uh, opportunities that they had through the Coca-Cola Accelerator. They developed great relationships with uh, the CSIRO, uh, Data61. They were, they're just very good relationship builders. They respect all of the people and the stakeholders. They've built a great team. And I think they've got some terrific people and processes, skills. And this is one of the times I am cheerleading as well, as I'm very excited for how well they're doing. David, you have had over 20,000 conversations. And given you have advised thousands of companies from startups to IPOs, what do you think Hyvery is doing that is unique? Well, coming, you mentioned it before, Melania, that is there, are there any unique ideas and I don't think the concept of being able to make retailers more efficient, understand their data better, 
being able to create a more efficient process, none of that's unique. But what is unique is the the exact path that they've followed. So they've been and learnt a lot from major business. So a big reason why a lot of people talk about that major businesses don't innovate, and of course they do. And I think these guys took full advantage of learning and being on the inner sanctum of some of the biggest bottling, the uh, distribution, logistics, wholesale, and and, uh, they've just learnt a lot. They haven't come out and said, look, we're worth this, or they haven't raised money too soon. They've done things in the right way. They've learnt and built and assembled a great array of skills and strategies and products. I think that's really why they are not unique, but having said that, it is very few people that raise a lot of money. It's very few people who build a strong team. It's very few people who are able to deal with some of the biggest and best companies in the world, and that's what they've been able to do. So if that doesn't make them unique, they are definitely the outliers, and they've, they've done exceptionally well because of the, the systems, processes, disciplines, and the and the strengths of the individual founders and the ability to build a great team around them. So. All of those things together, I think, might add up to unique. What are some common challenges experienced by business owners in the pursuit of building and accelerating growth of a sustainable business? They're fairly much down to the type of business you've got, but in some ways businesses are you know, the same as well. You've got to come up with a product that is distributed well, that solves a problem and builds a relationship with a customer. So in doing that, first thing I'd say is really getting the best possible people on your team who have been there, done that. As a friend of mine says, um, you know, someone who's seen the movie is going to be capable of helping you through the processes you're going to be navigating possibly for the first time. So that's important. In developing your team, that needs to be a two-way street. A lot of people uh, think that, you know, you work for me and uh, people that work with others, I think, are uh, so much better off. You also want the truth. You want real feedback. You want real honest feedback that is going to be you know, not held back, no fear or favour. Uh, and always say, if you want unconditional love, buy a dog or go and ask your mum uh, how you're going. But you real, really need uh, brutal honesty in you need it quickly and you need to know who you can trust. So that's a that's a critical one from my perspective. And then I think also uh, looking out to what you're trying to become. So looking at companies that might be 18 months ahead of you, for example, in an industry or an area that you're trying to be. There's no point in reading books or blogs on things that just aren't applicable to you because they, they haven't been through your problems. They don't have your problems. They haven't had the perspectives that you have and they don't have the same challenges. So really looking at what you can learn from people that are ahead of you and even reaching out to these people as well that can often, a lot of people are very happy to share information, very happy to help. The other thing too, I guess, is because there's so much information out there, I'm a big believer in just doing stuff. Like you're not going to get it perfect. I hate all this off, fail fast stuff and you just need to get on with it. You're constantly learning or you're developing a flywheel of feedback, if you like, of I tried this, what did I learn? My customers told me this. Okay, do I adopt? Do I don't adopt? Do I what what bits do I listen to? Which ones do I 
What do I have the courage of my convictions on? What feedback is the right feedback? And, and eventually getting to the truth and, and finding something which is you know, going to help people, you're going to be able to capture a percentage of the value you create and build value and over a long period of time. That's what building a sustainable business is all about. You mentioned fail fast and learn fast mindset and it seems that this mindset is already becoming outdated. What are your thoughts on this? I think everything's built on easy messages, but nothing's easy in building a great company. It's all about working out what you need to do next. And the only way to do that is you've got to work it out for yourself. You can't rely on someone else to tell the answers. A good helper is, is someone who's going to help you ask the right questions of yourself rather than telling you what to do. Another point you made in regards to building relationships, how does one surround themselves with the right people and mentors? Well, I think you made a suggestion before, which was you, you talked about the analogy between coaches of sports teams and mentors of business people. And there's a lot of truth in that because, again, a coach isn't a manager. A coach is someone who develops you and is someone who can understand what your strengths and weaknesses are and get you to focus on your strengths but hold you accountable to do what you say you're going to do and do your very best and everyone needs something slightly different some people like to download and say here's what I've done am I going okay uh, other people and probably that's maybe not that many entrepreneurs that are in that mindset but those people who I think are the best mentors are people that build relationships with people so they can share open, honest feedback. In my view, most people react poorly to criticism. And sometimes the way you criticize someone is important, more important than just saying, oh, well done, or oh, I've got nothing to add. Even something as simple as saying, is that your best work? You're not saying it is or it isn't, but you're getting someone to be honest and you're getting someone to be saying, did I rush this? Could I have done better? What could I? Have, what have I left out? How can I do this better next time? And a coach isn't necessarily a subject matter expert. They're just someone who understands people, the processes, the systems, and they develop potential. There's a lot of self-help books out there, but there's not a lot of books out there on mentoring or developing people. And maybe that's why when you do find someone who's a good mentor, they're worth their weight in gold. Oftentimes, it's the simplest statements that make you go, aha, uh -huh, this is groundbreaking, and I'm referring to your comment, is this your best work? If there is one thing I will carry away from our discussion and remember forever, probably, would be the statement. And in today's world, with everything moving so fast and with expectations to move fast, More often than I would like to admit, I actually just want to get things done. And this one sentence is the best feedback I could give myself. And David, you also touch on the dislike of criticism. How do you find the balance and choose the right moment to criticize someone? So on that point, Marina, there's, there's a time to be tough. There's a time to cry with someone. It's just the right time for everything. But also, if it's always going to come from a place of really genuine care and respect, 
and that getting that balance right and and also knowing you don't know everything either so you're not there just to say hey i'm expert i'm better than you because no one's better than anyone i always say i'm plankton i'm like the lowest of the low but my job is to keep the quality of the oxygen in the tank high for everybody else in it basically be there and be what you are needed to be at the time never forget you're not the founder you're not the ceo you're there to help the person Going back to the topic that we started talking about a little earlier, which is the common challenges businesses face in the pursuit of building and accelerating growth of a sustainable business. One other challenge that I think is worth talking about is external events like COVID as the most recent example. And in the light of recent government changes, How do you expect this to affect businesses and the economy, both short and long term? There are already companies that were maybe on the out. Uh, A lot of businesses were doing or hanging in just. Uh, We've been in a low interest environment. Uh, A lot of people have geared and borrowed a lot of money. Whilst there's concessions around deferring payments for people, banks have been freezing or uh, deferring payments for six months. Payroll tax, so the Office of State Revenues have all responded well and tried to offer assistance packages. Governments um, announced uh, that there's job seeker benefits. So the the long-term impact is going to be around how well we go forward and whether or not we try and envisage the type of business that uh, we can be going forward, how well we behave now as a CEO, thinking about how well you deal with your staff now through this process. Uh, will put you in good stead in the future. I guess startups who have been traditionally hand-to-mouth have been might even be better off in this experience because they're used to uh, dealing with so uh, few resources and, and getting by on helping people and, and trading favours and um, hustling. It might be their time, and I'm saying it is their time, to rise and help and create businesses that yeah, we're going to need as we come through this. So I guess there's going to be winners and losers like there is in every GFC. 10, maybe 15 years ago, no one knew what a UX engineer was or a UI engineer was. Yeah, so there are things that emerge. And thinking about the message that they have, for example, if they can help you save operating expenses, and I, I guess I can go back to 1991 to three when we had a recession and uh, companies that were able to sell services that saved headcount, saved costs, saved operating expenses were really well placed. Uh, and in fact, I think this is a great thing for Hybrary as well that you know we're uh, going to see you know, people needing to deal with not only the problems of managing people throughout this process, but also uh, increasing efficiencies of uh, businesses and looking at uh, where the savings and synergies can be made. So try and use this time to look at our message, look at our key suppliers and triaging our key suppliers. We don't just burn people. We we look at how we can help them through this. We've got to come through this together in, is it one month, three months, six months, whatever the the recovery period that we will get into, uh, we're going to be judged from how we behave. So I'm a big believer in trying to be as kind and generous as you possibly can be, transparent. You can't burn people in this period of time. For customers, this is a time that you really need to go to the next level. If you can step up and help your customers at this point in time, uh, even more so, this is an opportunity to build market share. You might even be giving things away at cost. You might even be giving things away for free at the point. this point. This is the time that you are going to make lifelong friends with customers if you look after them better. Give them more value. Help them more. 
ask them how they're going, what how they're getting through it as well. They're not just to be sold to at the moment. You, you'll come out of this if you try and ap- apply the the good person mindset. I personally believe you're going to come out of it better. Obviously, you know, there could be some people saying, hey, I need to survive. You know, it's a dog-eat-dog world. But as I said, there is a an end to this. And those people who don't look after people and, and have a, uh, a profiteering mindset may well actually be the long-term losers. In some ways, some people say we're too big to fail. Obviously, there could be a rebasing of the entire economy and costs of products and services and resources. But yeah, let's let's learn about it. Let's be uh, as agile as possible. Let's learn how we can get through this better and and keep looking after all of our stakeholders and thinking about what sort of business do you want to have in a month and in six months and in 12 months and re-engineering the steps to get to that process so that you do get there. You are one of the people that get through this and, and uh, come out stronger if possible. You started talking about the strategies business owners can use to their advantage in times of crisis, in particular, how they should manage their resources and strategies relevant for managing both external and internal stakeholders. And I would love for us to dive a little deeper into this and offer our audience some tangible recommendations so when they finish listening, they have an idea how to prepare and what they can do different. And lastly, are there any risks business owners should be aware of these days and how they can prepare for them? In times like this, often the CFO becomes a CEO um, because it's so important to know your, your position of your cash, reinventing and discovering new things about your business that you didn't previously understand. Uh, you, you're getting a, a much better understanding of the creditworthiness of all your customers and also your suppliers. You need to work out how do you stay in business and you need to make sure that your suppliers are able to stay in business as well. So you're going to have to have open, honest, transparent conversations, not just saying, hey, can you pay me? But more on along the lines of how are you going? Are you getting through this okay? Is there anything I can do to help you? And I guarantee you that you are going to, for the overwhelming uh, majority of cases, you're going to have a much better outcome in actually taking a respectful position with people. You can't just say, you need to pay me by this date or I'm going to stop. Right? You've got to work out, are they telling you the truth? You can't negotiate with someone if you don't know the truth. And if you do, they're going to assume you don't care about them. So they, they're going to come back to a far worse offer than you might have otherwise got if you just opened the door and had a chat and reached out to them and made them you know, realize that you're you're an important stakeholder and, and vice versa to them. So triaging for both suppliers and for income. Uh, some of your creditors, uh, so your suppliers, divide those into institutional uh, and private. So institutional ones that are banks and electricity and large corporates uh, may well be treated in, in a different bucket and your private creditors are the ones that are probably going to be doing it slightly tougher. How do they manage and maybe think about an allocation of funds for them to drip feed them through so that uh, you get them going? If everyone freezes up and doesn't pay anyone, everything falls over. So it's not a matter of saying, I can't pay anyone. You've just got to triage things and have conversations and open conversations with people that make sure that everyone um, gets through this together. You don't want to be at the position where we get through this, it's all over and then you've got no suppliers left. You want to make sure you drag them with you as well. So opportunities, it could be looking for new revenue streams. You may have underused assets. You may have abilities to get 
some of your team doing things that they weren't previously doing that could be doing some things for free, helping you win market share after this. It's a matter of asking the best possible questions of ourselves. What else can we do to add more value to our customers at the moment? How do we look after everybody in this? How do we uh, look after our staff? How do we make sure that they're okay? Uh, Not everyone's used to working from home. There could be additional stresses that they have. So a lot of people are suffering from mental anguish at the moment. If the job deficit increases or continues to worsen, uh, we're going to have a lot of potentially nationalization of industries. Also, I'm not going to predict anything. This is not advice. This is a conversation. And look, maybe I like to think of that. You know, we do we still are the lucky country in so many respects. I mean, you know, whilst we've had bushfires, you know, we, we got a lot of rain. So the farmers are thankfully had some rain. So there are positive things that are happening and uh, I hate thinking about people just only thinking negative thoughts at the moment. And I guess one other thing, Melania, you sort of touched on as other risks, I guess, are things like personal guarantees. Thinking about whether or not you are whilst trading uh, and the government uh, announcing that there'll be no insolvent trading during this period. So that's a risk where companies or directors continue to trade or operate a company on the basis that they can pay their debt says and when they fall due. For a period of six months, those rules won't apply. Bear in mind that personal guarantees may well apply. Uh, Certainly, if you've signed a personal guarantee, be aware of that. There is no amnesty for personal guarantees. Uh, The threshold for serving a statutory demand has gone up from $2,000 to $20,000. You can have companies still appoint liquidators and receivers. So it is not an open slather to do the wrong thing at this point. It's, It's a response to try and get as much casual as possible but right now you're running your business just as you were before we've got to make the best possible decisions at the moment you can't rely on anybody to save you you've got to save yourself and that analogy of putting your mask on first when you see in the plane uh, that people have put their mask on first yeah you've got to look after yourself but remember you've got to look after others as well I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you haven't yet listened to our other podcast, may I suggest for you to do so. You can get to know Hybrid Team better as well as check out our Academia Focus series with most recent posts featuring Dr. Toby Walsh, a world-renowned expert in artificial intelligence. If you want to know how to prepare for the fourth industrial revolution, look no further. And as always, we have many more exciting episodes to come, so subscribe not to miss out. And till the next time, everyone.